You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. If you're looking to install some new windows or a new door, a great place to start with Pella is their showroom. It helps to actually see the windows, see the doors, open them, close them, to get a better feel for exactly what you are installing in your home. The showrooms are really cool. they got showrooms in Omaha and in Lincoln. So go check them out, or you can check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everyone is looking for ways to spice up your next party. Well, if you're looking to take a party to the next level, i got the answer for you. The Runza Party Pack. The Runza Party Pack includes a dozen mini Runza sandwiches, 50 mini corn dogs, and a 20-piece chicken strip with your choice of dipping sauce. Now that's a party I want to be at. Head to runza.com backslash party pack for more information today. Runza makes it all better. Okay, so we got a uh, very special guest on the podcast today. He might be outside of Bo Rude, the guy that's been on the podcast the most, and that's uh, one of my good friends, um, my guy, play-by-play voice in the entire universe, Kevin Kugler of Fox and the Big Ten Network, Westwood One. He is fresh off calling the Nebraska spring game on uh, the Big Ten Network, so I wanted to get Kevin on to pick his brain on all things Husker football and get his take on Nebraska coming out of spring ball and kind of what he sees with the program as Scott Frost and company head into year four. Uh, Kevin is awesome as always. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it, so let's get to it. Here's my podcast chat with Kevin Kugler. Enjoy. On the line now, Kevin Kugler, fresh off of calling the Nebraska spring game. Um, Kevin, last time, do you remember the last time we saw each other? Do you remember the, where we were last time we saw each other? Oh, my gosh. I believe it would have been the CHI Health Center oh, yeah, for Creighton basketball. Yes. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about the senior day game. I was like, I think the last time I saw Kevin was in Cincinnati, Creighton Xavier, no, 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 no. Senior was, day yes. when we were when we were in all of the uh, in all of the tumult that had surrounded Creighton basketball yes. for uh, for those last two weeks of the regular season. That was yeah, that was that game. That's where we were. Was yes, I totally forgot. I, I for some reason in my mind I was like the last time we were uh, we were together was was Creighton Xavier because I was so I thought it was I look back on so after after the Creighton Xavier game. We have a safe, socially distanced dinner in Cincinnati. And, oh, yes. And all we could talk about the entire dinner was vacations. Like, no, it was we, great. <laughs> we were like, hey, you know what place is great? Not here. Hey, you know where I want to go? Not where, not home right now. It's ridiculous. But you were able to get away for a little bit, right? Yep, got away. Got a, got a few days in Florida for, uh, for a much-needed uh few days on the beach you know I, I followed in the footsteps of one nick ba who spent a little time away i know in the uh, snuck away for a couple of days yes. uh, towards the end of the season got yes. some sun we did we did the same thing that was nice it was it was it was a much needed five-day recharge well you had a you had a crazy uh you had a crazy march and then april with with the ncaa tournament did you 
And, and I know that Gonzaga ended up losing, so it maybe alters how you view the semifinal game between UCLA and Gonzaga to a, a little bit. But, like, seriously, Kevin, was the UCLA-Gonzaga Final Four game, was that the best game you've ever – best college basketball game you've ever called? I think it's the best I've ever seen. I mean, it was just a remarkably good basketball game in so many ways. It was well-played. It was well officiated. I mean, there was just so much to like about what was going on with that game. And, and I, you know, I have no rooting interest, but for history's sake, had Gonzaga won the national championship, that game means so much more. I mean, it just means more to not only Gonzaga, but to the sport that they were able to win a national championship off that game, which of course they weren't. So now it's sort of like, for old people listening to this podcast, do olds listen to podcasts? I don't, I don't know. But anyway, know. if there are olds listening or sports aficionados, it's like the Carlton Fisk home run in game six of the World Series. You see the highlight where he's waving and trying to use his body language to keep the ball fair. But then the Red Sox go on to lose game seven. So it's sort of like that's an iconic moment in sports. Yeah. But it didn't really win you anything. It won you a chance to lose the next day. And that's what ended up as the result of the Gonzaga game, which is too bad right? because that game deserved a better historical ending. You know, there, there needed to be something better that came out of that other than you lived to fight and lose two days later. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, because it's even like the, I think about the, you remember the Ray Allen three in the heat Spurs series. Like if, if the heat don't go on to win game seven, that shot gets kind of forgotten, you know, but now right, it's, it's, right. A, it's an iconic Ray Allen, maybe the biggest shot in Ray Allen. It is the biggest shot in Ray Allen's career, but it, it's it's interesting how many moments there are like that in sports where, I mean, you saw one with, uh, with Marcus Page in 2016. He hits an unbelievable double clutch shot at the, to tie the game against Villanova in the national title game, but then Chris Jenkins hits a shot, so Marcus Page's shot just kind of gets like forgotten. Yeah, I mean, and Marcus Page's shot was an amazing shot considering the circumstances and the the duress in which he was under. It was this amazing shot where you're like, whoa! And then four seconds later, there's a whoa that beats the whoa. And nobody ever thinks about the first whoa anymore. It's like a a Joey Lawrence greatest hit CD. Whoa, whoa, right after one after the other. And, I mean, it's, it's, you never think of the Marcus Page shot, but... You, but it was a great shot, and I, you know I, I think the sub shot will resonate louder because it won a game. Right. But still, it didn't earn Gonzaga anything other than just getting pummeled in a national championship game. That's right. That's exactly. That is exactly right. Uh, I, I, I had those two things written down that I wanted to ask you about. But before we get to the spring game, because we got a lot to to dive into, I'm curious to get your take. Where do I want to start with this? Can we start? Let's just start with Martinez talking about Nebraska. Right. Let's start there. Yep. I, I mean, it's so interesting. Where, like, where are you at with Adrian Martinez? Because he's certainly a polarizing player. The guy is. I mean, how many how many four year starters are at one point a Heisman contender and then at one point benched? Like that's 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 the spectrum of Adrian Martinez right now. Like Heisman or sat down in the middle of a game pulled against Northwestern. As he's heading now into his fourth year, where where are you at with Adrian Martinez, the quarterback at Nebraska? 
I like Adrian. I, I think Adrian is very talented. I, I think part of Adrian's problems, obviously, are turnovers. When you've had 15 career lost fumbles and nobody in FBS has had more in the last three years, that's a concern. Now, he handles the ball more than almost any player outside of you know other quarterbacks. So there's a reason why those fumbles happen. But you, you've got to do a better job taking care of the basketball or the basketball for him, basketball, taking care of the football. <laughs> he does a terrible job taking care of the basketball yeah. or a great job, depending on how you look at it, but he's got to do a better job of taking care of the football. That's clear. There's, there's no way you can excuse that or say, Oh, it's fine. If he's fumbling every other game, no problem. Because clearly that isn't the case. So that aside, I think part of Adrian's problems also are his surrounding talent. He's got to have better talent. And I think he does up front. I think his offensive line is the best that he's played behind or going to be the best that he's played behind in his tenure at Nebraska. Is it good enough to help overcome some of those issues? Maybe, maybe it is. And if it is, I think it's going to make him a better quarterback to have a better line in front of him. I, I look bottom line. I like Adrian Martinez a lot. And I think he's a winning quarterback when surrounded with the right talent. Does he have the right talent around him? Well, we're going to find out starting August 28th. Yeah. I hope he's got the right talent in front of him. He's, he's certainly taking the right approach. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. When he got benched, he was not a, a jerk about it in public. He didn't you know, complain. He didn't argue. He didn't, he was a real team guy came back, finished strong. He slimmed down. His arm has looked better during camp. All of the coaches were raving about what they saw from Adrian Martinez, you know, and that's spring talk sometimes, sure. but I tend to believe that he is going to be better this year. And I think part of it is going to be, he's got guys in front of him that are better and there's depth up there for the first time, maybe in his tenure. Yeah. I, I just, you know, you said something that I think, and maybe this is just, a, I am a, I, I am just going down with the ship with de being a Martinez defender. But, like, I just look around him and, you know, you look at after his freshman year, the wide receiver situation has, has fallen apart. The running back situation has fallen apart to where you've had to take your best wide receiver, Wondell Robinson, and move him to running back just so you can have a serviceable running game. I, I just – you know, I, I think it was Sam McEwen said the other day, like, imagine if you put Adrian Martinez around Taylor Martinez's talent. You know, you give him Rex Burkhead, you give him, you know, Kenny Bell and Quincy Inunua, and you give him, all you know, those kinds of skill guys around him. I think we're talking, I, I think, and then you give Taylor this kind of talent. Like, one was a first-team All-Big Ten quarterback, and the other one has kind of struggled, like, I just and maybe I'm just lining up and, and making excuses for the guy, but I, I think he is a a a good enough quarterback to win a lot of football games. But you know, unless you're a transcendent talent, you are at the mercy of who your skill guys and and even to your point, your line in front of you. There was not a quarterback that played college football over the last, and people love to go with, well, they're gonna have Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow would not be Joe Burrow behind that offensive line and with the wide receivers Nebraska's had in the last two to three years. He, he just wouldn't have been. That's not a that's not a point you can successfully argue, especially when you look at what LSU has put into the pros off that team. You just cannot argue that fact. And I know Nebraska fans love to say, that guy over there, what about that guy? That guy would have done it. This guy would have done it. Adrian Martinez is a really talented quarterback, and, and maybe I am going down with the ship with Adrian as well. But the, love him or hate him or indifferent about him, 
he is the very best chance Nebraska has to win enough games to get bowl eligible this year. If he goes down with a Colorado type injury early in the season, forget about it. Yeah. Forget about it. it it's this thing. is not going to go the way you want it to go. If you're a Husker fan, he is your best chance to get it done. He's got to be tough. He's going to have to stay healthy. I does, doesn't mean I don't believe that, you know, Logan Smothers or Henrik Harburg can get things done, but I think they're both young and I think Adrian Martinez right now is the best quarterback to help overcome some of the deficiencies. You may have a better line and I do think there's some talent at wide receiver. There's certainly some depth there that hasn't been there in years past, but I don't know what you have at running back. That's a problem. That's a, that's a bigger problem than people are talking about right now, because when you focus on a run game, you're going to be focusing on one guy. If you're an opposing defense and it's number two. Right. Okay. So let's 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 keep going there with the running back situation because I'm totally with you. It was arguably my number one concern heading into the off season, and after spring ball, it's still a gigantic question mark for you in flashes of what you could maybe see from the spring game and how you extrapolate it then into the fall, and and then even taking into consideration a guy like Marquis Step who missed the entire spring. Who's toting the rock in the fall? Your best guess lining up next to Adrian Martinez on August 28th at Illinois is who? If I guessed based on what I saw from the spring game, I might guess Gabe Irvin. Right, me too. The true freshman. And and I don't know that that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Teams have won with true freshman running backs before. That's not something that I'm sitting there going, you've got to have experience at that position. Because I don't think you do. I I think if you've got talent at that position – you can overcome a lot of inexperience. Yeah. Well, he may make the wrong read sometime he, and, and, you know, pass pro is always, seems like the last thing to come for some of these young running backs. But if he's somebody who can make plays out of the backfield, then he's your best option. I, I worry about Marquis step. He's had injury issues all the way back to his junior year in high school. And that's something that you've got to be concerned with that, we were talking with Matt Lubick and he said, there are four or five guys that he thinks can rep there during the season. And he says, we could be better at that spot. You know, he says, we're going to be better at wide receiver. I like where we are at tight end. We could be better at running back, but that's that could's doing a lot of work in that sense. There's a lot of carry on could right there. We could be better or we could not be better or we could be worse or we could be the same. There's, there are a lot of things when you look at that running back spot, Savion Morrison, injured at times during the spring. Ramir Johnson, I don't know what's going on with him. Marquis Step injured again during the spring. Marvin Scott, is he a guy you look at and say, yep, that's the guy who's going to carry the mail? I, I don't know. To me, are you going to put all of your eggs in the Jacques Yant basket? Um, maybe he's a guy that fits in there. But as far as a playmaker, the one who has the pedigree as a at least high school playmaker is Irvin. And I think that's if I had to put my money on who is the guy that runs out there with the first team on August 28th, that's probably the guy I go with. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that 
has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Again, the sample size is so limited with him, you don't know really what to make right. of it. But it's, con- I mean, it's con- that's a concerning spot because I've made this point to a bunch of people that, like, you know, ultimately there are certain positions where, it, where, where in that in that specific system, the positions make a huge difference or what they're capable of doing. My analogy has been like, you know, when Nolan Richardson would do forty minutes of hell, if he doesn't have the right players out there that can be super disruptive defensively, guard multiple guys, create turnovers. 40 minutes of hell becomes 40 minutes of heaven because guys are just, it becomes now just an undisciplined defense, right? And you're just, yep. you're breaking it and you're getting whatever you want. In Frost's system, offensively, you better have some legit game-changing, game-breaking guys at running back, at that duck R spot, at the wide receiver spot. And for as much as we want to talk about special teams or the quarterbacks or, you know, defensive issues at variety of spots, I think a lot of their issues, Kevin, come back to they have they have just unfortunately kind of whiffed on getting the right guys in the right spots at the running back spot and at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, there's no question they have. They, you've There are misses after misses after misses, guys that didn't pan out, guys that left and went elsewhere. And so you've had to try to get lucky in a transfer portal, which is how you try to fill those recruiting gaps. And then you hope that some of these guys hit. You hope Omar Manning delivers on the promise that he has and if he can stay healthy and keep himself on the field he can be one of those guys that makes a big difference at wide receiver I like Samori Toure I think Toure has the chance in the slot to be a a very good receiver I think Oliver Martin has the chance and the athleticism to make a difference they loved Alante Brown during the spring he got injured we didn't get a chance to see him Scott Frost would tell you if uh, you may not even have to inject him with truth serum, the wide receiver spot has been a thorn in their side since the minute they walked onto this campus. And it has been a continued problem for them since that time. They've not been able to get it straightened out. I think they're more confident in it now than they were say even a year ago or two years ago. But again, this is all spring confidence, right? If you're not confident in the spring about certain things, You've got no chance in the fall. So uh, while I think they feel better about it, do they feel like it's a top three position group in the Big Ten? I can't imagine they would. They have no reason to think that at this point. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Kevin. We, we don't even – you brought it up a little bit with talking about Martinez, but, like, we don't even necessarily talk about the lines or the trenches anymore. And – that was kind of the big, to be honest with you, that was kind of the big talking point when Frost got here, right? Like, remember, he talked about after the Iowa game, like, we don't look like those guys. We got to make sure we get bigger in in the offensive and defensive line. Is is that, be, like, the reason we don't talk about the lines anymore, is that because the lines are serviceable now to be solid in the Big Ten? Or is that because other things have kind of risen above them in alarming in the alarming category in terms of offensive regression or special teams or penalties like how do you kind of wed the all that I think it's harder for people to evaluate line play 
yeah. than it is to evaluate running back play or wide receiver play or quarterback play because you can look at this and go, that guy didn't catch any passes. He's not getting the job done. That guy's not throwing the ball correctly. That, he's not getting it done. There's no big runs. That running back's not getting it done. It's a lot easier to do that than to go, all right, well, the, the guard didn't pull the way he was supposed to on that play. And so that's why they didn't get any yards. And this happened. So the quarterback had to flush the wrong direction out of the pocket. And of course, takes it away from how they're running their routes downfield. And he can't throw that pass that he was going to throw had he been able to roll to the right side. But because the line is a sieve, everybody leaked through and it threw things. It's so much more difficult to evaluate <laughs> yeah. that then it is to just as a fan and I look, I know this sit, you're sitting in your home watching this on TV. You're like, Oh dude, what is wrong with that running back? Right. Well, what's wrong with that running back is because the entire right side of the line got caved in and he had four guys standing there when he took the football from the quarterback. So I, I think this year you're going to hear more talk about the lines because I think they're better. I, I really I too. think they've got some talent now along that offensive line. You've got young tackles. They will make young tackle mistakes, but they're both talented. Turner Corcoran, Bryce Benhart are talented. Frost said that Bryce's feet are a lot quicker this year than they were last year. I mean, he is a third year freshman this year. You're, it's going to be so weird to designate some of these guys as a third. He played three games in 2019 keeps his red shirt year starts every game in 2020, <laughs> but because it's awful. the COVID year, yeah. he's still a freshman. So red shirt, freshman, third year, freshman, Bryce Benhart starts his second season <laughs> at right tackle. Turner Corcoran's a red shirt, true COVID freshman. I don't know how you designate him, but he's over there now on the left side. And they were very pleased with what he did in that Rutgers game. Cam Jurgens claims the snap inconsistency is over. We'll see when he's under pressure again, that's been a problem. And then you've got Ethan Piper who looks like he's the guy, another freshman third year freshman at left guard. And then you've got either Sichterman or banks at right guard. And then you've got depth behind them. Now you've right. Greg Austin wants to go and thinks he can go nine deep. We'll see if he can, because that would be news for Greg Austin and this offensive line over the, They've not been able to do that. They feel like they've got enough depth to do that now, which would certainly be beneficial to Nebraska and to the strength of this offense and Adrian Martinez. But the question is going to be, can it get to that point? Kevin, I like this defense, obviously. Like I, th I thought they took a big step forward last year. I thought a lot of their issues stemmed from the offense not giving them anything, special teams putting them in bad spots with field position. I thought they took a massive step forward a year ago, and they returned pretty much everybody of, of substance. But – Unfortunately, I think the defense probably has a ceiling because they, they lack an elite disruptive pass rusher, but I still think they're going to be pretty darn good. How do you size up that side of the ball? Because we don't talk about – Chenander was kind of the guy that was always on the chopping block for people, and we don't really talk about Chenander anymore, which I think is awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, and you're 100% right. He was – remember Charlie McBride years ago was the guy everybody wanted to run out of town on a rail, and then all of a sudden a ton of talent showed up, and Charlie McBride's now the lovable old grandpa who yep. couldn't do anything wrong when he was the defensive coordinator at Nebraska. Revisionist history is a wonderful thing, but it, it, I, I'm, I'm with you on this defense. I, I'm, I'm sold on what they have. I don't think they're going to be a top 10 college football defense. I think they could be a top 30 college football defense, and I think that could be enough you know, I, and it all depends on what your what your expectation for this program is. If you expect ten wins, 
well, then you're going to need to have a top 10 defense. Yes. If you're expecting seven wins and a bowl game, top 30 defense is probably enough to get it done. It's just, it's weird. We were talking about this. We talked about it on air. We were really talking about it off air uh, before the spring game. Kenny and I are watching them warm up. And it's so weird to see a team driven by the defensive backs. And that's yeah. what this defense is. It is 100% fueled by the energy that comes from the defensive backfield. We're watching these guys warm up. Who's bringing the energy? It's Jojo Doman for one who wasn't playing. And then it's Cam Taylor Britt and it's Deontay Williams and it's Mark Hill Dismuke and it's Quinton Newsom. These guys are hopping around yelling and screaming and bouncing. And you know, DBs are always a little different cat anyway. Yeah. There's just a, there's right. a cockiness to them and sort of a, a, a lone wolf kind of feel to the defensive backs that I've been around because they are so many times on an Island, Yes, but they are, they're the driving force behind this group. And it's fascinating to watch. And this will be an interesting experiment. Can you build a team back to front? Because that's where this defense is going to have to be. And they're getting guys in there that like Javin Wright's going to be really good when he's out there. Toby's kid opened up a lot of eyes this year. They were really excited about him. And I was disappointed we didn't get to see him play in the spring game. But that's another body you're going to have back there in that back end. And then you move up to the linebacking core. You know, you didn't see the best linebackers. Now, Will Honus's loss hurts, hurts a lot. Yes, that's that's bad. And if he's not going to be out there for a significant portion of the early season, that hurts them. Nick Henrich, they were raving about in our meetings. Shenander uh, said he played as well as anybody we had this spring, and he's finally the guy we thought we were getting in high school, nice. which is huge. Nice. Um, and JoJo Dolman coming back is big for that linebacking core, and there's depth there as well. You've got a lot of bodies in there. Caleb Tanner is going to make some plays. Grant Taggy had a really good spring. Not sure if that's more of a special teams role. Garrett Nelson in the mix. Randolph Kapai, very twitchy is the word that Eric Shenander used to describe the freshman from South Dakota. I, there's a lot of talent that's starting to build in that linebacker spot. And I think you've got enough up front. Like you said, not a ma massive pass rusher up there, but you've got some bodies up there that are talented enough to keep offensive lines in place. Yeah. And maybe that's all you need from that defensive line. Anything. Okay. You're kind of giving little, little, uh, little anecdotes here and there, but was with, from conversations with the, with the coaches, anything else stand out to you in your pregame conversations with, with any of the coaches, whether it's Frost or whoever, that, that obviously you can share. We know how that goes. Sometimes you'll be talking to coaches and they'll say, hey, this is off the record and da-da-da-da-da. But is there any anything else jump out at you when you were getting ready for this thing and talking to the staff? Well, one thing I thought was really interesting, and Matt Lubeck said this, that they cut back on the number of plays they normally install in the spring this year in an effort, I think, to make sure that everybody knew – really, really well what they wanted to do. And so they didn't install as much this spring because they wanted to just hammer down on what we're going to be good at over the course of the fall. doesn't mean they're not going to put more in in the fall. I'm sure they will. But this is going to be an interesting thing to watch. Is this offense going to be better because you've now – worked around some of the thing, you know, you didn't flood these guys with a bunch of stuff right. and maybe you don't have to, because you have a veteran quarterback now and you have guys who have played on that offensive line. So they know a little bit better their blocking assignments. But I thought that was interesting that they cut back on the number of plays they normally install. It was a fundamental spring. I don't know how many times we heard that fundamentals. We worked on fundamentals. The turnovers are clearly something 
that has plagued Nebraska's coaching staff and it's plagued this team for a lot of years. It's frustrated them. They cannot have those turnovers, fundamentals, turnovers, number of plays cut down and just trying to make sure that they don't have any moments like the Minnesota game. I mean, to me, and I think to everybody else, that was the low point of last year of a 2020 season. that was weird anyway, but when you lose like you did to a Minnesota team that was down 33 players and given up seven yards per play and you can't move the ball and you lose 24, 17 to that Minnesota team on your home field, I realize it's not the same because it was an empty Memorial stadium, but still that was the low point of yes, it was. that season. And there's a lot of emphasis on making sure things like that don't happen again. Yeah. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by White Castle Roofing. White Castle can handle everything from replacements to repairs. And a White Castle Roofing expert can come out to your home and give you an honest assessment of your roof, even if that means nothing needs to be done. One of the best decisions I've made is to go with White Castle Roofing when my roof had some hail damage back in Omaha. And listen, when it comes to your roof, you don't want to mess around. You need people you can trust, and trust me, you can trust White Castle Roofing. When I had some hail damage, working with White Castle was smooth, it was easy, and most importantly, it was done right. If you're like me, way out of my element with this stuff, so I need people that communicate every step of the way from start to finish. White Castle did just that. They're all about quality. They're all about craftsmanship. The crews are knowledgeable. They care about the details, and cleanup is a top priority. And when it's all finished, the roof looks great. It's going to last four years. So whether it's for your home or your business, make the smart move and go with White Castle Roofing. Check them out. WhiteCastleRoofing.com. That's WhiteCastleRoofing.com. White Castle Roofing, built with trust, proven by time. You know, Kevin, I was I was writing down some questions for you. And, and one of the things, like, you got such a good perspective because you grew up in the state, so you understand things on, on a deeper level. You, you were in local radio for a decade, so you kind of were in it, but, you know, that kind of is a different kind of way to be in it. And now you've covered the Big Ten Conference for almost a decade now. How do you, how do you kind of size up Bill Moose's comments the other, the other week about, hey, eight or nine wins, reasonable expectation now that Frost is in year four? It's weird because, like, that comment in and of itself should be totally normal, right? Any any coach at a big program, year four, eight or nine wins should be a reasonable expectation. But when you size that up, pitting it with what we've seen for the first three years, you kind of go, "Ooh, man, I don't know." That seems maybe a little bit, uh, a, a little bit, of, you know, raising the bar too much. How do you kind of, how do you size all of that up, understanding the perspective that you have on a variety of fronts? It, it, it's it's frustrating in one regard, not because he said it but because that shouldn't be anything controversial. You know, you should be able to say, well, yeah, in year four, with the amount of money we're putting into football, year four should net eight or nine wins. That That is not a controversial statement. That is not something that should be. If it's controversial in any way, then you have to ask, where is this program? I mean, if you're in year four and you're like, Man, eight wins is the is what we're looking for, and the fan base goes, "Oh, hold on, eight wins—that's a lot <laughs> to ask for." I mean, that's that's not good. Right. That's that's and that's part of reflection on what this fan base has been through over the decades. Is that you know, your your now expectations are skewed to 
much like that of, of a Cubs fan for their entire life where you're like, well, the whole world's going to fall apart. I just can't wait to see how it happens this year. And that's kind of where Nebraska fans are right now is, you know, they have been absolutely just shell shocked every year by what's happened and the weird ways that things have happened or just the absolute devastation that has been wrought by this football program. And so they're like, well, some shoes going to drop. Let's find out what it is. Then you hear your athletics director say, eight or nine wins and you think, Oh my gosh, that's the world. Don't put that on us. Don't expect that. And you should expect that. It doesn't mean that he's going to get fired if they get seven, but you should go into a season and at the very least say we can be eight and four. I mean, I don't, it's, and, and look at the schedule. It's not, out of the realm of possibility. You go to an Illinois team that's got a brand new coaching staff in their very first game of the year. You've got a, a veteran quarterback and a veteran defense. You should have a fighting chance to yes. win that game. Right. Fordham Fordham comes to town week two. You should win that game. Buffalo comes to town week three, made a lot easier by the fact that Lance Leipold and almost his entire staff have left. So you've got a whole rebuild going on there. That's three wins possibly in three games. You're not going to go down to Oklahoma and win that game most likely. But are you saying this Nebraska team can't go beat Michigan State on the road? They can't beat Northwestern at home. Probably not going to beat Michigan at home. But can you beat Minnesota on the road? Can you beat Purdue at home? Can you win one of two against Iowa or Wisconsin? Because if you do, even though there's a loss to Ohio State in there, if you do that at the end of the year, that's eight wins. Yeah, it's that's not crazy. eight wins. Right. It's not. It's not that. It's not a fever dream to go. Oh my gosh, I the, the the math on this is impossible. You don't have to be, you know, Alan from The Hangover with all the numbers floating in front of your <laughs> eyes at the casino to try to figure out exactly how to get this eight win strategy. It's not something that takes so much absolute suspension of belief to go, Oh, I mean, we may need to have a a magic elf come down and give us three wishes to get those (laughs) last three wins. It, 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 not saying it will happen, but it could, it could happen. It it absolutely could happen. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's just such a, you're right. It's such a, a snapshot of where, where everything's at with this program that that gets to be major headlines. And I also think, like, I don't know what people want. You know, I mean, I, I remember two years ago, Big Ten Media Days, when Nebraska was the preseason darling to maybe win the West in their preseason top 25, and Bill Moose said, we just hope we get to six wins, got to get to six, and everyone freaked out at that. It's like, well, okay, well, what do you want? You know, like, sometimes we – you know, do you want do you want Bill Moose to not give any give you anything? Do you want like I, I don't know sometimes what people want. And I also think like you don't think that the 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 players and the coaches have aspirations of winning every game that they play. You know, like I sometimes I I think we make things a bigger deal than they actually are too. Oh, hundred percent. We that every player in that locker room believes they can win every game this year. Yeah. They're not going down that schedule like I just did and go, well, we're probably not going to win this game. And well, we got no shot at Oklahoma. No, they're thinking how cool is it going to be when we go down to Oklahoma and beat them? Right. That's going to be awesome. Right. And man, finally getting Ohio state, that's going to be great. And we can't wait to knock off Michigan. I mean, they aren't looking at that like you and I are and going, Oh, that's not going to happen. And ooh, there's way too much talent there for that. No, they're looking at that schedule going, I don't know why we couldn't go 12 and 0. That's I don't know it. why we couldn't run the table on this thing. Yes. And they're not going to, we all know that. Right. But, and, and probably at their core, they know that as well. 
but they're not sitting here in May saying, right. yeah, you know, best we can do is seven and five. I don't know why Bill Moose said eight or nine wins. <laughs> <laughs> Seven's as good as I can get off of this thing. And that's going to take some luck and the wind's going to have to blow the right way. I mean, they're thinking eight or nine wins. Okay. That's the minimum. That's, that's like, that's a disappointing year. If we're eight and nine wins and playing in the citrus bowl, that's right. no good. We want 11. We want to, you know, we want to be battling for a playoff spot. That's it. I mean, it's, couple more things I'll let you run here because I think it's, you know, Dirk Chatlin had a really interesting column today. We're taping this on a, gosh, what is it, Tuesday? Uh, on, a, on a Tuesday kind of where it's about almost 11 o'clock. Um, talking about the, the lack of NFL draft picks for, for Nebraska over, over the last four or five years. And how do you kind of see the talent level? Because the, the talent, the NFL draft is the ultimate truth serum into your talent. Period. Like you, you can spin things a lot of different ways, but the NFL doesn't care whether you played at North Dakota State or you played at Michigan State. Can you play? If you can play and you, we think you're talented enough, we'll pick you. So sometimes we get caught in this bubble in Nebraska where we, we build up certain guys to be more talented than they really are and teams to be more talented than they really are. And then the NFL draft comes and you go, oh, okay, well, maybe they weren't that talented. But how do you see Nebraska's talent level now over the last handful of years? Because you were able to go around a lot of these other Big Ten schools, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, and see and compare talent to Nebraska. How do you size up Nebraska's talent level now in the last handful of years? Because the NFL draft picks would tell you they've severely lacked that top-end talent. Yeah, and and I think you're going to see some numbers rise draft-wise for Nebraska because they're, they have some better talent at positions the NFL wants to draft. And, you know, Adrian Martinez is probably not going to be an NFL quarterback. And I say probably he's not going to be an NFL quarterback in almost any circumstance. doesn't mean he's not talented. Right. doesn't mean he's not a talented college football player. It just means his skill set may not translate to that position at the National Football League level. But where positions Nebraska has strengthened right now do translate, secondary. There's some guys back there who are going to make a living playing professional football offensive line. I really do believe they have some talent. It's not next year, but in the next couple of years is going to have an opportunity to get drafted and play a lot of games in the NFL. There is some talent floating around out there. Is it enough that they're going to have four or five first round picks? No. Is it better than two late round offensive line picks in a draft or two down the road? I think so. But again, that's allowing, that's forcing me to extrapolate a little bit what some of these freshman tackles might do and where you see a guy or a need with Cam Taylor Britt or somebody like that making their way up. I really do think there is some talent there that's going to get drafted. Is it enough to close the talent gap with Ohio State? Not yet. I mean, it's, it isn't yet. They have more talent than Nebraska does all across the board. But you know, like for an example, Chris Orr was a really talented linebacker with the Wisconsin Badgers, who's never really been able to get a feel in the National Football League. I mean, he wasn't a great linebacker at Wisconsin, played a lot of games, played some big moments. Just means that skill set didn't necessarily translate to the next level. There are some guys who are really good college players, and that's their ceiling, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nebraska needs to get as an addition to NFL talent, more really good college players, more really good college players who maybe they don't make it in the NFL, but they're good enough to be really good at this level. And if you can't get the NFL talent, find the really good at this level talent. 
develop the really good at this level talent. You'll win a lot of games at this level. And I mean, look, it's nice to hear your guys' names called on Sundays by announcers or by draft guys on draft day. But at the end of the day, if you said to me, hey, your favorite team is going to have nobody drafted or two late round dudes, but they're going to go 11 and one next year. They have really good college talent, not great pro talent. I'll sign up for that. Yeah. I don't really care about the NFL. If I'm a college football fan and I'm all in on my team, if they don't have anybody drafted, but they win games, great. It's, it's great for me. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everybody that knows my athletic background, you know, as a quarterback in high school. But, you know, I believe in establishing the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger. Some onion rings double dipped in a homemade batter. A little bit of a pop to top it off. You know, in football, you establish a run. But at lunch, you establish the Runza. It's just that simple so get out to runza today and establish the runza game or check out the delicious salads you got the chicken bacon ranch salad sweet berry chicken salad and my personal favorite the southwest chicken salad you got to get out to runza establish a runza game or get a salad either way you are going to leave satisfied runza makes it all better last thing you're gone uh i got i got i'll end with the hard-hitting question Okay. I'm looking at your Twitter, and did you yeah. seriously have a fire log that is a fried chicken, a Kentucky fried chicken, fried chicken scented fire log? Is this real? It is real. It's a. Uh, it's, it's so we. Uh, <laughs> short story made long. Um, when I had the Rona, I was uh, in my room reading a lot of things on the internet, and apparently susceptible to you know purchases of a somewhat impulse variety and so i'm laying there and i'm reading this story and it's a story about the hot holiday item because you know i had the run in november the hot holiday item was going to be this kfc chicken log and my gosh if you're not an american who believes in chicken and logs you've got to buy this chicken log and i'm sitting there and i'm like you're darn right you got to buy a chicken log so I, I pounded the buy button on the Walmart ad and, and I'm, I'm, and like a few days later, the chicken log shows up at the house. My wife's like, what is, what, why is this at my house? I'm like, oh, I'll give it to my mom for Christmas. Well, mom's not going to burn a chicken log in her fireplace. So, right. so we keep the chicken log and we, we were at a, a, a Christmas function in our neighborhood around surprisingly Christmas. And I made mention during our function to our neighbors that I had purchased this chicken log after much mocking of me, the, the, the statement was, well, we've got to be there when you burn the chicken log. <laughs> so this past weekend, nice Saturday yes. night, getting to get the neighbors together. You know, everybody's feeling good. Everybody's getting their shots. Everybody's feeling great. So it's time for, it's time for the chicken log burning. And so we're passing the chicken log around in the box and it smells like a box of fried chicken. Oh I mean, now the only disappointing thing was I was expecting when you burned said chicken log for the chicken smell to come billowing out of the log as you burned it. It doesn't smell like chicken when you burn it. I wanted the whole neighborhood oh. to smell. I mean, like one of my neighbors is like, we're going to have coyotes here. Coyotes <laughs> are going to run and think there's like a chicken farm on fire. <laughs> and then there, then we didn't have that. But but it, but it smells in the box and in the wrapper like it is you're burning a log of fried chicken. Okay, that's weird because I would have thought what you thought that it as you burn it, like the, it's like a scented candle that you also yes, like, you, you know. That was my imagination. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to wow. be the greatest giant scented candle yes. in the history of our neighborhood. And I was, I, you know, I quite honestly, 
I was prepared to be carried around the neighborhood on the shoulders yeah. of our neighbors yes. for bringing this chicken log to their lives. <laughs> and and that, as it turns out, that did not happen. No one carried me on the shoulders, and it didn't smell like fried chicken when you burned the chicken. It burned quick okay. and bright. I mean, the fire log went up like a fire log, but it did not go up like a fire log smelling like chicken. Oh, so see, a little, totally a, little a little excitement mixed with disappointment. Yeah. It was uh, it was a fitting end to the Nebraska spring game day. <laughs> perfect, perfect way to perfect way to wrap it up there. I just I saw that and I was like, "Oh my god, what? Like is this this is, this is unbelievable." Uh okay, so well there, should I not I mean, would you recommend the chicken log for people? I, I unless you just want to hold the log in your house and smell it. Uh, but when you actually burn it, I mean, I, you could you could easily just do a fire log that didn't involve chicken. Well, you know what you can also do is just burn a fire of regular wood and then go get some a bucket of chicken from chicken people. and put it. And well, we did have a bucket of chicken that night because we then you know it's we got, figured yeah. if we're burning a chicken right, log, right, right, we right. needed to get a bucket of chicken for chicken dinner, and so we bought chicken and <laughs> ate chicken while we burned the chicken log. And the chicken we ate actually smelled more like chicken because it was chicken than the chicken log, which as it turns out was not chicken, nor did it smell like chicken <laughs> when you burned said chicken log. It oh, was, you know, it, it, which, you know, the old adage, don't buy things when you're in quarantine from the Rona. You've heard it for years. years. Don't buy things when you're in quarantine with the Rona. That's that, 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 that old wives advice pays off once again. I think that is actually on the CDC website. The first thing they it is. <laughs> it is. It was actually up there first in the Reagan administration. Yeah. They were prescient. They knew this thing would happen, and it. they knew, you know, even though there was no internet, no Rona, and no chicken log, that that would be a concern. It's a big concern. I love it. Kevin Kugler. Kevin, awesome stuff as always, man. Thank you so much. Hopefully I'll see you soon, pal. Thank you, Nick. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online, on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet, great burgers, cheese Runza, delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Media Production.